You're listening to Rumination Thursday Law and Gospel on this February the 2nd in the year of our Lord, 2023. Yep, we're getting closer to Christmas again. But February already? That's correct. And what we do on Thursdays, we take a look at articles that our good friend Wes Reimnitz has found. And how are you doing, Wes? I'm doing fine. It's it's a warm spill up here. It's a high of 25 already. Already up to 25? Yeah. You can wear shorts. It's going to get to 40. We're going to really have to get out the sunscreen and the uh, glasses. Yes. Yeah. My wife is moving the cars into the sun because we've got ice on the top of them, and they have to be, well... Melted. But <laughs> that's not what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, you sent me an article, and I was really intrigued by the title, How is the Church Good for Society, Even for Atheists? And that got me thinking. And after reading the article, I really do uh, agree with this. Um. What does this article say about uh, a founding father, Governor Morris? Morris, yeah, he was. He spoke at the Constitutional Convention more than anyone else. He originated the, the, the phrase that we see in the Constitution, we the people of the United States. He once said there was something that virtually all founding fathers would have to agree with, that religion is the only solid basis of good morals. Therefore, education should teach the precepts of religion, the duties of of uh, man towards God. So what he is saying is all the founding fathers would have agreed that religion is the only solid basis. And look what he says of good morals. Now, that's really interesting that in religion we have, of course, the Ten Commandments, but that has an effect on countries like the United States that are more religious than other countries. And so in a radio segment, there was a individual, Dr. Byron Johnson, a Baylor, who talked about the impact of faith on society. He had taught at Vanderbilt, the University of Pennsylvania in Princeton. What did he say in a radio segment? Well, he he talked about the churches phenomenally important to society and important in many different ways. That includes the volunteering and charitable giving. He told uh, that Americans give more than a billion dollars a day to charity, much of that coming from churchgoers. Now, I was unaware of that. He says a billion dollars a day because a later study showed that religion brings about one2 trillion dollars to the U.S. economy each year, and that is through its charitable giving, etc. 
I, I don't know of a church that doesn't take offerings and use the offerings in some areas of charity. Uh, were right. you ever involved with that in your pastoral duties? No, uh, just about all of them took uh, offerings, and you know, and in their budgets, you see line items for charitable giving to to food banks, to shelters, things of that nature. Exactly. In fact, they found that compared with those who never attended religious services, individuals who attended services at least once per week had a lower cause of mortality by 26% of heavy drinking by 34% and current smoking by 29%. Now, we're not saying that individuals in the church did not die early or some of them were heavy drinkers or current smokers, but the majority here, these figures show that the lower mortality came about because of their religion. And then, why? What, what did the study find about that? Well, that depression, anxiety, hopelessness, loneliness, as well as physical modalities like hypertension, heart disease, strokes, were lower in those particularly who attended church, while the satisfaction with life, social condition, and feeling of purpose were higher. Yes. In short, living for Christ is good for you. Not, now this is really important what the article says, not that we live for Christ in order to live longer or have lives with a higher quality, but that apparently is a happy byproduct. Now, why do you think that happens? that in a church, most of the people have a lower depression, anxiety, hopelessness, and loneliness than those outside the church. Well, I think you stated it, you and uh, Mark Smith said it well on, on Tuesday in, in the hymn for the week, that in the sermon, you preach Christ crucified and the resurrection, that there there is hope for those for us as simple beings, that faith in Christ, we have life. That was that hymn, Thy Strong Word Did Cleave the Darkness. It's a hymn sung at every commencement exercise and worship service at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis when the graduates are declared to be appropriate for going into the ministry. And it was written by Martin Franzman. Did you ever have Martin Franzman as a uh, professor? You know, he had gone to to England about a year or two before oh, that's I got right. into the seminary. Yes. And then he died in 1976. But right. why do congregational members have a lower level of depression? Let's say they're getting anxious or they're hopeless or they're lonely. What happens in the church to offset that? 
I'm not quite following you. Well, I'm thinking mainly of pastors visiting them. Oh, well, yeah, pastors take and visit the shut-ins, you know, and you often see that at uh, at a time before surgery. The most yeah. vivid one that I remember was a member that I had devotions with and that we went through the confession of sins and absolution and the hope that's in, in Christ and uh, things of that matter. And I, I, I still, it's so clear in my mind, and I can see her vividly saying, she says, you know, a peace came over me. Just, I'm so ready for the surgery. Yes, I had one that I'll never forget. She was on the second floor of the hospital, and the surgery would take place on the third floor. And she wasn't that concerned about the surgery. What she was really depressed about was that she hated going into enclosed places and she knew uh. she would be going into an elevator going up into the third floor for surgery and that's what worried her so we gave her some bible passages that might be appropriate and i met with her after her surgery and the first thing she told me was that for some reason she had no fear in going into the elevator up to her surgery. And that was a way in which her depression, anxiety, and hopelessness was alleviated. Uh, how, how, does, uh, how does a cross alleviate that? Well, there, there, as faith is found in, in Christ, you know, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. At the cross, we hear Christ saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Christ has forgiven us all our sins through his, his sacrifice on the cross for us. There are tremendous blessings a Christian receives through faith in Christ. And one of them is that nothing happens in your life that will not work out for your good and that Christ right. is with you at all times. How does that make a difference for a person who's depressed? Well, no matter where we're at in our lives, Christ is, is, uh, is there. Uh, yes. He promises to be with us. Lo, oh, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Excellent. Excellent verse to remind us that we are never alone. The article says we live for Christ because he who is divine became human, lived a perfect life, and died in our place so that we might be forgiven for our sins through faith in him. He sealed the deal by rising from the dead and will one day return. That can be a real comfort well, to people who oh are. Oh, yeah. Uh, the question I raise is, where is the church to be found? And what's the answer? Well, in the Augsburg Confession, Article what's the 7. Augsburg Confession? It's part of the uh, Book of Concord of uh, which uh, Lutherans confess, teach daily. 
yes. in their lives. In fact, it, it is one that that we as pastors uh, subscribe to when we have ordination or when we have installation into our various churches. And it, it teaches that the gospel is preached in its purity and the holy sacraments are administered according to the gospel, that the gospel and the sacraments are called the marks of the church. So wherever the gospel is purely taught and the sacraments administered rightly, baptism and Lord's Supper, there's where we're going to find the church. Yes. Um, Dr. Byron Johnson of Baylor also uh, wrote a scholarly book highlighting the kind of reachers that we are featuring in this study. And he said, the ignorant may rail against church, and surely there are many who have bad experiences at church because of abusive leadership. And I would also include because of false teaching. But the right. studies show that all things being equal, the gospel really is good for you. It's good for you in your psychological makeup, in your attitudes towards life, and in your comfort. Oh, are we talking in principle about the sanctified living, the holy living, as a result of faith that we have in the in the gospel? That's an excellent point, that after you are justified, that means declared righteous by God because of that faith that the Holy Spirit has given you to believe the promises of the gospel, you then begin the life of sanctification, which is a response to God for all that he has done for you. And it is in that response that there is a real impact of religion on all of society. And that's what Dr. Rodney Stark was writing about. One of his favorite books, Americans' Blessings, How Religion Benefits Everyone, Including Atheists. Now, what did Stark write about that? He says Americans benefit immensely from being an unusual religious people. Blessings that not only fall on believers, but also on those Americans who oppose religion. In America, militant atheists are far less likely to have their homes broken into or robbed on their way to work than they would in an irreligious society because of the powerful deterrent effects of religion on crime. That is really a critical point, that even for atheists, religion is a wonderful thing because an atheist who doesn't believe in God, therefore has no grounds for any kind of morality. And remember that reminds us going back uh, to the beginning of the article where Governor Morris, the founding father who spoke at the Constitutional Convention said that all founding fathers would have agreed with religion as the only solid basis of good morals. Now, Evolution really 
is a different way of looking at reality. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not sure you know the answer because it's something I learned just recently. But um, when Jesus was buried, why was a rock placed over the tomb entrance? Uh, A cloth? Rock. I don't know. Yes. It was placed by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus when they put Jesus in the tomb. And the reason for that, this is very interesting, if the tomb had remained open, animals could go in and Mm -hmm. eat the bodies of the dead. In fact, a lot of times people were left on the cross and dogs and other animals, because the cross wasn't that high off the ground, would come and devour those bodies. But what did Joseph of Arimathea do and Nicodemus? Who did they go and talk to? Oh, they went to Pontius Pilate, and of course Pilate remarked uh, yeah, how could he have been dead so so early already? Right. And they asked to take down his body and allow it to be buried. And Pontius Pilate okayed that. But it was Joseph of Arimathea and, Pon- and Nicodemus that put that rock over the entrance to keep animals away. What did the Jewish Pharisees then go and say to Pontius Pilate? Well, <laughs> that was interesting, you know, that his followers might steal the grave that night. So he, they asked for an armed guard to be put on, on the grave. And they also asked that they have permission to seal the grave. Grave, yeah. In other words, they had some kind of implement that would seal the grave so it could not be moved, uh, that rock. And remember when the women came, what was their question on Sunday morning? Who would move the rock for them? Because it was, it was just too, too heavy for them to do by themselves. Plus it was sealed. Yeah. And when they got there, what did they discover? That the, the rock had been removed, uh, or as it says, the stone rolled away, flat on the ground, away from the... the uh... Exactly. In fact, that is found in the Gospel of Matthew. It's the only one that talks about that. How did that rock get removed, according to Matthew? An angel came down, wasn't it, that, that had exactly. removed the rock? Yes. And the guards were so frightened that they went back to the city and they became like dead men, it says in Matthew. They, they just weren't able to operate. And they told the Pharisees there that what had happened and what were they then told to tell the people? <laughs> of course, they, they bribed the guards to tell them that... Uh, Yep. That the grave had been, been robbed. 
which is ridiculous because it was an armed guard that was sealed, and yet the rock had been moved. Now, that's the difference between evolution and morality. In evolution, if they had not put the rock there, then the bodies of the dead could be devoured by animals. And they knew that. And, and that's why this article says that militant atheists are far less likely to have their homes broken into or robbed or even be robbed on their way to work because we are not in an irreligious society. Uh, most of the people do believe in God, maybe the wrong God, but they have morality from their religion. And that is the powerful deterrent effects of religion, even on crime. So even atheists, the church is good for atheists because it's through the church that the morality of not stealing, uh, not killing, not committing adultery, that's where that comes from. And I think that was a really important point of this article. I got to go here. I got some Jehovah Witnesses at my door. Oh, you do? Yeah. You really do? I'm not kidding you. Okay. Well, we'll catch you later then. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Well, that was uh, West Reimnitz. And where I lived, we had Jehovah Witnesses also knocking on the door every now and then. But after a while, they found out that I was a pastor and they would skip my house because I would talk to them as we all should and give the wonderful good news of the gospel to them, which they do not believe in. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that you're saved by your works. So the article that we're talking about today the rights and freedoms that our atheist friends take for granted, like freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, and government by consent, that grew from the philosophical soil that was watered by biblical religion. You take away the Christian ethic of love of neighbor, even love of enemy, and you sweep away nearly everything that makes modern life tolerable and human. That is really an important point to make. You want to live by evolution. Well, atheists like Richard Dawkins or Sam Harris, they see the increasing secularization of culture as a good thing. And what does that mean? It means that they enjoy that people no longer believe in the God of the Bible, and therefore they have secular views. In other words, religion isn't from God. It's from my own will. I decide what is religious for me. But what these atheists don't realize if you ostracize faith and you marginalize churches, it will ultimately harm 
all of us because you lose the moral basis of religious thought. So this is why law and gospel is so important in speaking to unbelievers because the law gives God's wisdom, provides them with how God thinks. And when they come to understand that, then the work of John the baptizer is coming to fruition where they will repent of their sins. And what does repentance mean? They grieve over what they have done wrong. They are worried that heaven will not be their home. And that even occurs among some Lutherans who as they come near the door of death, they wonder, am I good enough to get to heaven? And the answer is, no, you're not. And that's where the gospel comes in. The gospel doesn't say that you're good enough to get to heaven, but that Jesus was good enough to get you to heaven. And how did he get you to heaven? By taking upon himself the punishment for your sins. And that was his death on the cross. But he couldn't die if he was just God. So he had become incarnate. That means he had become a human being for the purpose of being able to die for the sins of all human beings. And, and that's a message that I hope that Wes Reimnitz is sharing now with those Jehovah Witnesses who are at his front door because it's a message they need to learn. Uh, a lot of times, the leaders in Jehovah Witnesses will remain in the car while they send some new member of the Jehovah Witnesses to talk to you. But that stopped at my house because the new members of the Jehovah Witnesses were unable to answer the questions that I asked them about the Bible. Because on the one hand, they said they believed the Bible, but on the other hand, it was clear they did not understand God's Word. So that's our task, to meet with everyone at every opportunity to speak the word of law and gospel and to help them realize Jesus is the only way of salvation. That's the message of this radio station. I'm Tom Baker. Be with me tomorrow for open email. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.
If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.